1: these teams that you make on this app, are you even winning? Mm, not yet. It's better to win on Crick Bazi contest. Watch Crick Bazi on HT Smartcast YouTube channel and win exciting gifts on the daily Crick Bazi Ka Bazi Gar contest. Crick Bazi on HT Smartcast YouTube channel. Click on the bell icon to never miss a chance to win. Subscribe to HT Smartcast for more podcasts. Welcome to this episode of Kicks for Free, in which we discuss all things football. I'm Bhargav Sarma, and with me is Timansel Sarkar. Messi! Oh! Are you Are not I'm gonna miss you, 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 i am going Messi, miss Messi, i Messi, going to miss you i am Goal, goal, miss goal, i am going to miss goal, goal, for India. Ronaldo. Oh! Cristiano Ronaldo. Sensational. There have been some significant developments in European football in the last couple of days. We now know that 12 clubs from the continent have joined hands to create a breakaway competition. Uh, that they are calling uh, at the moment as the Super League. Uh, This includes the big six from England, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, uh, Man United and Spurs. Uh, Italy's biggest three clubs, AC Milan, Inter Milan and Juventus, as well as Spain's big three, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Three more clubs are expected to join as founding members and this will be a largely closed league with a planned 20-team competition uh, that will include the 15 founding members as well as five open slots being made available to the other clubs. Uh, Now, it's an event that looks like an inflection point for the sport in Europe. The course that football takes from here will be decided by how things pan out in the next few months. All major domestic leagues, uh, the National Football Association, UEFA, all major football authorities have expressed their opposition to this move. FIFA has also come out with a statement which, in comparison to the other statements, seems uh, a little meek. Uh, But nonetheless, they don't seem too much in favor of the Super League either. Uh, Fans and players don't seem very happy as well. Fans have been very vocal on social media. Many supporters supporters groups are coming out with statements. Uh, most of the famous players haven't really been able to speak out and you can understand that uh, because of their commitments to, the, to their clubs. Ander Herrera has uh, voices opposition, though he has come out with a statement on Twitter. Uh, the Premier League is among the m- major leagues that will definitely be undermined if the super league takes off uh, our discussion today is about the premier league but we are starting things off with a brief look at the last two days events uh, Dimal, many are calling this blackmail by europe's top clubs uh, that they just want a bigger share of the pie from european competitions uh, are you surprised by the announcement
0: no You see, the more I read about it, uh, the more I think uh, this is a bargaining chip. Mm. This is not football's Kerry Packer moment. uh, Because, uh, you know, this is is more of a situation of these super rich clubs seeking an assured income. Mm. uh, Because Juventus have already said, and I quote, At the moment, the company cannot assure that the project will be eventually successfully launched or predict the exact timing of the project. Now, what does this mean? Mm. One day after they've come out with a release like this, they uh, Juventus says this, uh, you know, officially. Mm. Now, clubs have blackmailed UEFA in the past too. See, in 1998, the Milan-based sports marketing group media partner proposed a breakaway league with the top clubs. Result? An expanded Champions League with more prize money, more TV money, etc. Mm. This century, it happened again. And again, what did it yield to? It led to Spain, Germany, England and Italy being guaranteed four slots in the Champions League. So I am not very sure that this is not a coincidence, you know, that all this talk of a seismic shift in European club football comes just ahead of the plans to expand the Champions League to 36 teams uh, from 2024. But the bigger story for me here is this, you know, this tells me that the clubs, most of whom have American owners, and it is not a coincidence mm. uh, that it is happening this way. You know, these clubs know that they don't really need to care about what the fans or even government think when they can get uh, U.S. investment bankers like J.P. Morgan to back them. Mm. You know, so what if Boris Johnson and Emmanuel Macron have weighed against the idea? In the 1960s, uh, Beatles sang, "I don't care too much about too much. I don't care too much for money." Mm. But obviously, it was not talking about these clubs. I mean, the Super League clubs have said they would generate 4 billion euros from broadcast alone annually. Mm-hmm. Now that's serious money because you compare that with the total commercial revenue of the Champions League, Europa League and the UEFA Super Cup and it comes to around 3.25 billion. Yeah. So, you know, this is one part. And the other thing has been, I think, you know, if the closed-door games dealt a body blow to the idea of a 12th person for the home team, this move by the owners show that the feeling of the fans don't matter. As you've pointed out, fans have taken to the social media to, to really voice their dissent. Some former players, Gary Neville, one of them, uh, Roy Keane, the other, they've criticised uh, Manchester United for being part of this. And they're not the only ones, uh, you know, club legends who are talking about it. Mm. But the, here, here is a crucial difference. You know, In the Bundesliga, where the ownership structure is different, you have no team from the, the Bundesliga in this in this breakaway group. Mm. Now, it cannot be a coincidence again that, you know, Bayern and Dortmund have spoken against it because they possibly have to take the feelings of the fans and the supporters more seriously than, than these clubs need to. I mean, clubs such as Real, uh, the clubs in England or Juventus or uh, Milan and uh, Inter. So... And the other club that has been quiet is PSG. And I am guessing that it is possibly because their owners don't want to jeopardize the 2022 World Cup. Mm. Because you've, as you mentioned earlier, you know, FIFA, even though somewhat weak, uh, they have said that, you know, this, uh, this could have uh, international ramifications. Mm. So even though we are in an evolving situation, we mm. could have a situation where the reigning Champions League uh, winners and the team that could win it this term, are not part of this uh, enormous uh, rebel competition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Both Bayern and PSG—they are, I mean, among the biggest teams uh, in Europe. So, yeah, if they are not in the tournament, then I think uh, you can't really call it uh, the biggest tournament in the Super
0: League,
1: right? <laughs> it's not really the Super League then. And uh, yeah, as you said, uh, I mean. It's, it's, I don't think it's going to be easy for clubs from Germany to enter this competition uh, because, as you said, the 50 plus one rule yes. is there and fans are active stakeholders. So you can't bypass right. uh, voting members and just join a competition like this. So um, And the mm-hmm. thing is, if you look at the uh, most of these teams, uh, I mean, quite a few of them haven't done well in Europe of late. You look at mm-hmm. AC Milan, Arsenal, Man United, Tottenham, even Inter, since they won that tra- mm-hmm. treble in 2010. Uh, I mean, all these yeah. teams haven't really done well in Europe uh, in the last few years. And uh, AC Milan haven't been there for quite some time. Tottenham aren't, uh, this season, AC Milan, Arsenal, United, Tottenham haven't been in their competition. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, the a part of the opposition to the ISL is the fact to that… The ESL. It, to the ESL. Sorry. My bad, <laughs> to the ESL. It's the fact that it won't be an open competition. And uh, it will be dominated by uh, the clubs who are uh, the founding members. Uh, and it will lead to a, an increasing gulf between these clubs and the rest of Europe. I mean, there there is a lot of criticism of the Champions League as well. I mean, the level playing field is no longer there increasingly yeah, Favouring the rich clubs, yes. Absolutely. Increasingly being dominated by clubs from England, Spain, Germany and Italy. But at mm-hmm. least the door is still open. I mean, it's, the clubs from other countries, smaller countries, can still make it to the Champions League, even though the route is harder. But in this case, mm-hmm. I think they're very... Uh, it's very brazen that they've just uh, almost entirely closed the doors for other countries. And, uh, I mean, apart from the 15 founding members, the other clubs won't really have a major stake in this tournament. Uh, So, you look at Tottenham, for example, uh, they may have more money than, say, Porto or Borussia Dortmund. But to suggest that they have more of a right to play in Europe than the other clubs, it sounds a bit ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, we'll have to see how things pan out over the next few months.
0: Yeah, I mean... The most bizarre thing here is that they're planning a closed competition. I mean, these 15 teams will always be there. I mean, yeah. this is not how football has worked. Yeah. So, the whole point of the leagues was that, you know, there was this battle for the top four in, in these countries, in, in the top countries. that we, Now, here is a situation where these clubs are assured of a place there. So, you mm-hmm. know, and you, you mentioned uh, over the next few months, I, I am really curious to see how the English FA reacts to the EFL Cup final on April 25th. I mean, City mm-hmm. and Spurs have both signed up for the Super League. So, should mm-hmm. they be allowed to take part in this competition? Because, the as you said, you know, the FAs, UEFA, and somewhat subdued FIFA too, have said that they don't recognize this and they have threatened action. But guess what? The ESL... Uh, showing the kind of transition that Klopp's teams would have been proud of, they've already moved court. So, from announcing it one day earlier, mm-hmm. they've already moved court to seek, you know, to to prevent uh, the the uh, soccer, the football's uh, authorities to sort of try and impose some kind of clampdown on them, mm. and. You know, now that most players have hit out at this, uh, most ex-players that is, like you said, players obviously can't talk. I am keen to see what Jose Mourinho's successor at Spurs has, would say about this. You know, will he do a Diego Simeone and uh, just say a coach's job is to coach and kind of steer mm-hmm. clear, or you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm very curious to find out because I I think that will be the first question uh, that will be asked to whoever replaces uh, Jose. And uh, but anyway, enough of my rant on this. Varga, do you think Mourinho's outster actually ends Spurs' chances of a top four finish?
1: I think their chances were anyway very bleak, uh, even with Mourinho, had he been had he still been there. Uh, I mean, they're already what five points off. Uh, mm. So mm. I don't think it's going to be easy for whoever I mean, whoever comes in. I know Ryan Mason is there, but uh, I, I mean. Forget about this season. For next season, I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, Assuming that they do stay in the Premier League, they do get to play in the Premier League. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, one thing that we have seen is over the last few years when Pochettino was there, they didn't really invest uh, very well in that squad. And Uh, uh. three, four years back, players like Alderweireld, uh, Vertonghen, all these players were, you can say they were at their peak, uh, Alderweireld Mm -hmm. especially. And yes. we have seen all. Wattonian has left. Uh, Ericsson has left. All the world is slowly is uh, you know getting a bit old. Uh, some of mm. the players are aging. So uh, this squad uh, needed some investment. I won't say it's. I mean, uh, it's entirely been Mourinho's fault. But uh, I think the way Tottenham have played this season, I mean, that hasn't really helped their case. Uh, I mean, they've taken leads in many games and they've. Tried to sit mm. back, being conservative, and they ended up con- uh, conceding many goals. Uh, I think they're.
0: Not uh, really surprising with Mourinho around, would you say that? I mean, that yeah, yeah. that yeah. bus parking attitude uh, has not, never really left him.
1: Absolutely. I mean, not surprising at all. I mean, I, the squad they had, I think they should have been there up there in the top four, but uh, mm-hmm. it's looking increasingly unlikely. Uh, I mean, Mourinho, I'm not really entirely surprised by the fact that he has been sacked. But what is surprising is that uh, this comes just a few days before they play the league cup final. And mm-hmm. Spurs haven't won a trophy in 13 years. They are absolutely desperate. Their fans are desperate for a trophy. And now they're heading into the final with a caretaker coach, uh, which is really surprising. Uh, and I mean, uh, top four is gone for them. It's uh, They do have a mathematical chance of catching up, but it's, I mean, highly unlikely that They will cross Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester and West Ham and uh, get into the top four. Uh, And uh, it's not just them. Uh, You look at uh, their North London rivals and their fellow ESL founders, uh, Arsenal. (laughs) Top four is gone for them as well. And they were on relegation form at the beginning of the season. They have, of course, recovered some ground. uh, But... There's no chance that they're going to make it to the Champions League unless they win the Europa League, of course, where they are in the semis. Uh, they haven't really made a lot of improvement from last season. Uh, I mean, last season when they won the FA Cup, we thought, okay, this is a great platform for them right. to get on. Uh, but they haven't really done that well. Uh, but a few positives for Mikel Arteta is the fact that youngsters like Bukayo Osaka, uh, Emil Smithrow, these players have stepped up and they're really, uh, they've really they done really well uh, for them this season. So that is uh, one of the few positives for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, and these players, you know, Smithrow is one player that you named. There is Foden, who is now quite an established player everywhere. There's Callum Hudson. We will possibly see these players a little differently because we saw all of them in 2017 for the under 17 World Cup. So mm-hmm. but while it is good to see these attacking players, you know, uh, sort of doing well, Mm. It is not going to affect uh, the race for the top four, is it? I mean, so yeah. so yeah. essentially what I'm saying here is that the race for the top four is essentially a race for the third and the fourth. Yeah. Because the two teams from Manchester have nailed the first two. Mm. So, that leaves us with Leicester, West Ham, Liverpool and Chelsea as mm. fighting for two slots mm. And a pot of gold at the end of the, uh, in the European season or... You know, the kind of season we are familiar with. Yeah. So, uh, for a while on Sunday, it did look like Burnley would keep the uh, fight for the second spot open. But Mason Greenwood, including a nice deflection. And Edinson Cavani uh, helped United win 3-1. Yeah,
1: I mean, Burnley made them work for that win. But uh, I think United have done it again and again this season, Mm. uh, coming into the second half. uh, and. They didn't create now
0: really. at home as well. I mean, not Indies just India at away.
1: home. Yeah, I mean, they've lost four games in the league this season at home, but uh, they are their form has improved. Uh, I mean, since the loss to Arsenal, I think it was in October uh, last season. Yes. Since then, they've mm. lost uh, one game. That was a very surprising loss to Sheffield, but they have really improved at home. Uh, and mm. uh, as you said, the top two seems pretty much uh, decided. Uh, I mean, it would, of course. Uh, as far as the title race is concerned, it would take, uh, as Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer said, a miracle for United to overtake City. But uh, it's, I mean, even if they don't win the title, which they most likely aren't, United still look good uh, for the second spot. Uh, and as for Leicester, uh, they were in a very good position for a top four spot. Uh, they had a, a pretty decent gap uh, with the fourth place team, but uh, they've lost their last two league games and that has weakened their position a bit. Uh, uh, I mean, they were in a, semi, a similar position last season when they slipped up right. in their final few games and they lost their top four spot on the last game, game of the season. Uh, so, if they end up with a similar scenario this season, the only positive is that they have the FA Cup final to play. Uh, but, uh, you know, if they are to finish in the top four, uh, I think it's absolutely crucial that they win their next four games, uh, which are against, uh, I think, West Brom, Palace, Southampton and Newcastle. Uh, and because uh, after these four games, they have three games uh, remaining and those are against United, uh, Chelsea and Spurs. So it's crucial that by, before they play those three games, they really uh, pick up as many points as possible.
0: Absolutely, because you know it was it was against United that I think Leicester slipped yeah. last time in yeah. September. So uh, that that one zero win, I think Rashford scoring. So mm. for me, the the surprise of this uh, season has been West Ham. I mean, yeah, they were they were mid table, seventh, eighth, ninth, you know there, and it kind of they could still end up there. But you know, David Moes has turned things around, mm. and who knows? You know, maybe they'll be playing in Europe next time. This mm. is something that. I really did not see coming because I was, again, looking at uh, West Ham as a team that will finish between the 7th and the 12th positions uh, for another season. Now, we have a situation where, you know, these guys, Thomas Susek, Declan Rice and uh, Mikhail Antonio, till they were injured, Jarrod Bowen and then Jesse Lingard, they've been some of the standout players. Lingard has been some lone move. Yeah. Uh, and now, there's talk of making that move uh, permanent. I mean he was even good at uh, St James's Park when they lost uh, mm. they were down I think 2-0 and then they made it 2-2 and then they lost yeah. but and, and his fitness uh, which uh, David Moyes is assured is, is nothing but cramps will be crucial to West Ham's Champions League prospects because he's scored 8 goals in 9 games since that winter shift uh, and and that is proof of you know how good this Manchester United player has been in East London so mm. The other thing that I think is crucial is that West Ham's hopes for Europe could hinge on Chelsea and Liverpool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, West Ham have been brilliant, but uh, I think uh, it depends on how Chelsea and Liverpool do as well. Uh, Chelsea uh, have the most packed schedule of all the teams. Yeah, that is what
0: game. I was getting to. Yes, ex- yeah. exactly. exactly. Because
1: they are in the Champions League semis and in the FA Cup final. Uh, and they have some tough games in the league as well. So, right. Even, uh, not only do they play Real Madrid uh, in the semis of the Champions League, but they also have uh, City, Arsenal and Leicester to play uh, mm. uh, in the Champions And the- West Ham, I think. And West Ham, yeah. I mean, next, we- next right. weekend, I think, uh, they play mm. West Ham. So, these are difficult games. Uh, and if they beat West Ham, I think, uh, I-, I really feel like they-, they should go and get the top first spot. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is a big six-pointer, their game against West Ham. Uh, And I feel both West Ham and Leicester, uh, with all due respect to them, I think they will drop points. Uh, And Chelsea, uh, given how they have improved under Thomas Tuchel, I think they should be up there. Uh, They, I mean... You look at this side and the one uh, managed by Frank Lampard. There does seem to be uh, more confidence in this team. They've improved uh, defensively, even more
0: defensive discipline. Yes, yes. More even though they did uh, concede
1: five goals against West Brom, but that was with ten men. Uh, that
0: was yeah, yeah. That was more uh, of an
1: ab- yeah. That did seem like an aberration. Uh, and I feel Liverpool also should make the top four. And I mean, they have been poor this season, no doubt. But uh, they have no more engagements left outside of the Premier League. And they Mm. have uh, showed signs of improvement in recent weeks. I mean, they won their last three league games. And uh, apart from that first half in Madrid, uh, they did all right over the two legs against Real. So, I think they should be able to make the cut.
0: Yeah, I mean, the next few weeks will be some test of character for Liverpool. I mean, the season has been hit by injuries, Yes, we all know that. And I think in a very early episode of this uh, podcast, we spoke about uh, Virgil van Dijk and, and what Jordan Pickford has mm. done to Liverpool because mm. of that uh, rash challenge. And, mm. you know, the defensive pairing of Matt Phillips and Ozan Kabak against Madrid were the 18th such pair in the season. And that tells its own story. Mm. But they have also looked somewhat disjointed. I mean, their press has not really been uh, the kind uh, that you saw in Liverpool over the past two seasons. And I think, you know, it is because of, I, I am reminded of a Valery Lobanovsky quote uh, where he said, you know, football is a team game which is essentially about one unit that has 11 different parts. Mm-hmm. So what happens at one part often affects the other. And at Liverpool, I think the central defence being hit has forced midfielders a stop gap uh, central defenders that has affected the midfield the makeshift central defenders mean that the rampaging sidebacks well have not well rampaged. That in turn has possibly affected Sadio Mane's goal run or mm-hmm. the lack of it. And all of this has put Klopp under pressure because it kind of shows the team's strength in depth or the lack of it is now being questioned. You know, but the point about this season's premiership, I think, is that just even outside the top four and the race for the top four is that. Everton leads what a season they've had, you know, their first season in the Premier League after so many years. Marcello Bielsa at the Premiership is Mm. nothing but respect for what that team has done and, you know, the way they play. So, you know, Everton leads Aston Villa. Mm. They've all done well. And only four wins separate Villa, who are 11th with a game in hand, and Leicester, who are third. Mm. So, just 12 points. And since that heightens birth pangs for Europe, Mm. because you don't know who's going to make it. I think teams are talking of a breakaway closed league, which will take out all such uncertainty. Now, an Arsenal doesn't need to bother whether they'll qualify for Europe, because they're there. Mm. Now, even a Spurs doesn't need to think, of it and, and even United, for all you know, they haven't been very regular in the Champions League off late. So, they don't need to bother. So, all these uncertainties get taken out. So, what is ironic here is that, you know, the competitive nature of the Premier League has actually possibly facilitated a situation where five of the six English clubs that are part of this Super League thing have American owners. Now, the, the, why I say American owners and why I say this is not a coincidence is that because America is full of such closed leagues. There are no promotion and relegation Even the MLS, which has grown exponentially over almost three decades, they have increased teams, but they're still debating about the need to uh, start promotion and relegation. Now, yeah. so American owners possibly don't understand the idea of you know, the uncertainty of teams, whether they'll make it to a particular competition, etc. They want that to be taken out of the equation. Whatever happens in a game, will happens in a game. But they possibly don't understand this. And I think it's supremely ironic that it is because the Premier League is so competitive, you have a situation where, you know, six clubs, English clubs, with five of them have been owned by Americans, uh, who don't understand, you know, why uh, playing a competition like this uh, should not be, you know, assured is talking about the European Super League. I think they are. They all seem interconnected to me.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a very uh, clear tendency to follow the American model here. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens uh, in the next few weeks. But uh, a lot of action to look forward to both on and off the peak. See
0: you next time then. This was an episode of Kicks for Free. Do like and follow us on at HTSmartCast on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And write to us at podcast at the rate hindustan dot com. You can also follow us on our Twitter handles at Dhiman HD and at Bhargav Sarma. You can listen to more podcasts by logging into HTSmartCast dot com.